0: to power producers shop talk where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects
1: here these are conversations that will differentiate you from your competition now if you don't want to be different than your
0: competition probably should just go ahead and shut this up. <laughs> and action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level
2: like when we audit the mod and get into and the mod master and and give them the actionable items that they can that they can do in order to lower their cost of risk
0: this is power producers shop talk production redefined
2: reasonable and what wasn't and and i think that you know that's that's spot on and you know these people that we're talking with don't necessarily understand what their exposures are and what they can even do about them um you know when they're uncovered so I, i do like that what we're able to provide is something tangible action items that they can do
0: are you ready to feel the power all right everybody it is the
1: power producers podcast Refining and redefining the sales game, episode number three of the old shop talk here, where we're giving you practical information that you can take out and use literally the second after you quit listening. Mr. Hauk,
2: Yo, what's up, sir? What's happening?
1: Another day. Yep. Another another dollar. Today I All want right. to talk about doubt, man. I think that we, you know, talking about going in and how we can create doubt when we're meeting with somebody, or even if you're just on a first appointment with a gatekeeper to create enough doubt or buzz to get past the objection and get these people to start thinking the way you want them to think. Sound
2: good? Sounds good. I'm on board.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm, you know, if there's something that I am good at, one of the things that I'm good at is creating doubt through asking questions and then mm-hmm. presenting scenarios to people as if I had like, here's what I would have done in that situation, but in a, in a way that's non it's not offensive and, and they figure it out. And so, and you not, know, the,
2: you know, not throwing their agent under the bus yeah never, thing, no. or bashing yeah. them or whatever. Right.
1: You know, they can come to their own conclusion that their agent should have done something right um there's no you're never going to get anywhere at all by just trashing whoever it was unless it's something so just horrific that sure trashing is in order in, in which case <laughs> right. you know
2: which is awesome
1: that may need to happen especially if you've got somebody who's not getting it like they just they don't understand well, my yeah. policy is only, only 500 bucks. Well, yeah, that's because you right. have 57 exclusions on there, including if the sun is out, we will not <laughs> provide coverage. Like, how did Hopefully you we're find not this? talking
2: to those $500 policy people yeah. anyways. But
1: no, it doesn't work there anyhow. I I, I feel like I would, a lot
2: of the stuff that we have in our solicitation calendar is based off of driving a wedge and in, in creating that doubt. Like Basically everything that's in there.
1: Yeah. That's what it's for. Right. I mean, the, the whole thing, right? So I mean, you know, one of the things, one of my go-tos has to do with the, the mod. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously if we can go in, anytime you go into an appointment, if you can be equipped going into that appointment with information that's ultimately going to help you win, you want to do that and you tend to go in with more confidence than otherwise. So that's one of the reasons why I think that we, you know, if we, if we're getting to the point where we're, going to do drops, we should go ahead and pull mods on uh, on these accounts that we think it makes sense to mm-hmm. pull the mods on before we ever go in. Because that's an easy way when you say, oh, you know, just out of curiosity, I wanted to touch base and let you know if, if you didn't already that you're going to be paying 66% more than the average company in your peer group for your workers comp this year they probably don't know that they might know that the mods are 1.66, but they never don't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't connect those dots. And so the typical MO for me, and it falls in line with, you know, the solicitation calendar that we use, but you know, it's at that five month point when you just say, Hey, just out of curiosity. I'm I'm touching base with you. Um, I saw that your preliminary experience mod came in. And I just wondered if you've had a chance to validate whether or not that's correct. And yeah. they, I know they don't know how to do it. No I mean, chance. Well, well, what do you, what do you mean? Well, you know, we have software that we run it through, and typically, when we when we call somebody like you, it's because your mod is higher or is is going up um, higher than average, and and you know, we like to validate that that's even right. And now is actually the perfect time for us to do that because it's the preliminary. This isn't the final. We still have a little bit of time before that final mod's released. So let me ask you a question. When your agent came out last month to talk to you about during your mid-year claims review to talk to you about the open claims from last policy period that would be hitting the mod, what type of update did you have about the situation uh, that's on your loss runs right now? And look, I'm pretty certain most agents don't even have it.
2: Right. They're either going to bullshit you and say that, oh, yeah, we talked about this and that or whatever. They're going to look at you like they have no clue what you were talking about. Right. Right.
1: In in which case, or they could come back and say, "Well, we don't have any open claims. We just had a really bad year," and blah blah blah. blah. Okay, that True. makes sense. Either way, we still would probably need to. It would be make sense to validate if you've never done this that your mod is correct. See, our clients really appreciate it when their preliminary mod comes out because we proactively develop the report that shows them a that their mod is accurate. If it's not, what needs to be done for on our end to fix it on their behalf, and then here are the things that we need to work on going forward to make sure that we're making improvements there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great time for us to give that information because it's fresh. If there are errors, we have the ability to try and correct them before your mod gets finalized. And, you know, I just know that our clients really appreciate that. I'm kind of surprised you've never been through that exercise before, but truthfully it's one of the reasons why that's a complimentary service that we offer our prospects, even though it's valued at $2,500, we're willing to give it to you today if you would like for us to validate it for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, that's the that's the deal, man. We, right. Um,
2: no, I think another one that we do too is, um, you know, towards renewal we know that they hadn't you know gotten their renewal yet and um you know similar lead into what you just said about the mob we're like hey and you know when you when your agent was out delivering your renewal last month um you know did they go over like wh- what's what's your max dividend that you're that you're looking at this year and you know it's it's kind of falls in the same line as that like mo- we know when we're asking that question that they have not come out and delivered a renewal yet because it's two months before renewal and you know, it just hasn't happened. Um, but a lot of times we find that people don't know what their dividend is going to look like for that, for that policy period. And it's coming, you know, within the next couple months.
1: You know who else doesn't know? Their, their freaking agent doesn't right. know. Here's a challenge that I think that we have is I don't think agents by and large realize how much dividend plans vary. From company to company. And I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about the percentage that they pay out. I'm talking about how the actual mechanics of that dividend work. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a recapture provision that says if the dividend is paid out and a claim is reopened or grows to a level that would have impacted what the dividend would have been, can the company come back and recapture some of the money that they paid to them? Mm -hmm. You got to make sure you don't have a recapture provision in your dividend. The other thing is, You want to know when is it going to be valued initially and when is it going to be paid out? Some of them are valued at six months after the policy expires Mm -hmm. and then it's paid out. If 100% of the claims are closed, it's paid out either immediately or it's paid out at nine months. Some of them don't even make the payment until 18 months after the policy has expired. And you're in here telling your prospect when when they're your prospect that, hey, I'm going to get you this dividend, and if we take the amount that you're going to get back based on where we triangulate your losses to be over the last five years' performance, um, you know this is really what your net comp cost is going to be. Well, guess what? If it takes another 18 months to get that money back, you just did your client a huge disservice, right. and they're probably going to be irritated about it. You know, Every single agent out there should look at the dividend and know you know, what's calculated on, how how it's calculated, when it's calculated, when it's paid out, how much is paid out? Is it 50% now, 50% later? You know, all of those things are in there. And <clears throat> you want to look at lost development factors. I mean, they're just, I could go on, on and, and on. on and on. Yeah. But, you know, that's just one small thing. But at the end of the day, how do we Talk about that. The wedge we drive is not based off of all of the minutiae that I just discussed. It's based off of the fact that nobody's come to them and said, hey, look, you renew in a couple of months. Right now, your loss ratio is sitting pretty at 4%. If we're able to knock on wood, you know, ride the wave and get to the end of the policy period with nothing else crazy happening, here you go. This is how much money you should expect to get back. Well, look, now look, they're going to value this six months after the policy ends It'll be anywhere between then and the nine months after the policy ends, Mark, before it gets paid out. But we wanted you to know because it may help you as you're budgeting you know, for the next year to know that right. some of this money is going to come in. I mean, I think that's a huge deal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we talk about comp all the time, and I think it's it's easier to do and one of the reasons why we focus on it's because other agents just don't and they don't you know they don't have the right conversations with their clients and it's easy for us to kind of just swoop in what are what are some of the ways that you'll drive a wedge along you know the other lines of coverage that they may have outside of the comp well yeah i mean
1: i think about this all the time because there's plenty of ways to do it i mean comp's natural because right it's you know we've got a bunch of resources around it but for me you know two of the most time tested ways to get somebody to go from zero to 60 is their audit or the amount of time it takes to get certificates if i can go in and get somebody's ear and have a conversation and say hey just out of curiosity how'd your last audit go 95 percent. nobody's like awesome yeah yeah, no nobody's like oh it's the best (laughs) audit i've ever had thank
2: you we have another one
1: yeah, no, but they get mad. They're like, oh, insurance companies out to screw me, you know, they're hitting me for all these subcontractors, blah, 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 blah. You know, or or it's a company that grew very quickly mm-hmm. and they had a legitimate
2: no midterm adjustment or anything. Yeah.
1: Had a legitimate audit. And I mean, I think that where we fail is agents is the fact that we don't educate them on that stuff. An audit should never, never be a surprise, ever. There's no reason for it because we know what the rates are when the policy is bound. And so, you know, one of the things that I do is I get, I've got a spreadsheet that I created where I can give that to a client who can key in their sales or their payroll every month, depending on which one it's based off of mm-hmm. based off of, and it's going to show them how the much they spent is. in insurance. Right. Yeah. So if it looks like they're, tra- if you're six months in and you're almost at what your projection was for the year, you have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. You either need to accrue that money because you know, you're going to get hammered in audit, or you make a midterm adjustment and pay it in over the next several installments mm-hmm. so that you don't have to get nailed by a large one-time payment. But agents aren't doing that right the other the other place that helps them assume you have a contractor right now you've given them their rates you've given them a spreadsheet if they're working on bids they can key that information in and it's going to tell them what their cost for GL would be it can tell them what their cost for comp would be and, and they can build bid. it into their pricing to make sure that they're not going to get caught off guard mm-hmm. because i think that when you write a policy for a client they look at it from the perspective of oh well my monthly payment is only going to be this much well yeah that's true that's how much your installment is for now right but then they get all riled up at the end of the end of the year when they get audited and and they didn't have any forewarning that this was going to happen the other one is certificates man i love driving a wedge just through certificates a lot of people will say um a lot of people will say well we turn them around really quick or we have a self service portal which we do we have a self service portal if they want their certificates they can go to ecerts online they can pull them faster than what they could type an email and and request it and it's in their end user's hand in a faster amount of time that's not what i'm talking about if you want a good strategy for driving a wedge around certificates of insurance Look at what the certificate is requesting. Look at what that certificate request looks like. I can tell you that over the course of my career, I have probably picked up two dozen accounts by looking at a certificate that came in, picking up the phone, calling the company who's requesting a certificate for my client and saying, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm not sure what kind of a relationship you have with the agency who works with you. But in looking at the certificate of insurance that you've requested from my client, it doesn't appear that you're getting good risk management advice to mitigate your risk. Now, we structure the policies for our clients that we're going to give you everything that we would expect you to ask for. But I'd really like to have a conversation with you to talk to you about how much exposure you have by not asking for the right things on these certificates. Yeah. I mean,
2: so that, so you're flipping that into a new opportunity there where you're, you know, it's, it's not even something where we're having to go back and, and fix something for a client. It's opening up a new door for something that we otherwise would not have come
1: across. You completely flip the script on them and, you know, guess what else? Probably going to pull the mod before I have that call to see (laughs) where the workers comp is too, because at that point, I can go in and I can make a direct correlation to, well, your mod's high. Looks like you got some tidying. You got to tighten up the risk management function all the way around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean it I goes back to the research way. that we talked about um, in, you know, in one of the earlier episodes. Do, doing the, just the little bit of research on the front end is going to make all the difference for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the other thing too is so let's talk about property. How do you drive a wedge on property insurance? Property is probably the most commoditized of all of the insurances that we deal with because the market pretty much dictates that more than anything else. And you know, in Florida specifically, we have a very unique property market, but more often than not, it becomes a price play. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the questions that I always ask surrounding property are two, twofold. Number 1, you know, talk to me about your, you know, Let's take a look at your business income worksheet. I'd like to see that from the last time you filled it out. What? What's up? I don't don't know anything. (laughs) You know, the other one is a a bona fide statement Statement of values. values. Tell me what your statement of values looks like. Most of the time, they give you a ballpark figure, put it on an accord form, and it's not a bona fide statement of values that's well thought out. And I think that- Most policies
2: require you to carry an updated one and and virtually- all of the people that we come across, where we are asking about that, they don't. They can't. No, and if
1: you look at the policy language, it says that it will revert to the most recent statement of values, right? On file with the what carrier. If gro-
2: what if you've grown ten x since since that happened?
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. So you get into the point where now all of a sudden, instead of having ten million in property value, you have a hundred million in property values. Pretty sure that newly acquired property coverage extension is not designed for that level of acquisition. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a major, major deal. It, you know, a lot of times you get pushed back well, this is all they're asking for. This is all the bank wants. You're not in business to appease Doesn't the matter. bank, right? You know, that's, that's not who cares what the bank wants.
2: Yeah, it, you know, nope. One of the things that I think, you know, a takeaway from all of this, these are simple conversations that anybody can have. They're not overly technical about, you know, different coverage forms and this and that. It's it's simple conversations about, you know, things that they should have in place or or have filled out properly. Like, you know, asking them something simple about their statement of values is like anybody can do that. You don't have to be, you know, an insurance expert to do that.
1: Or go back to your certificate of insurance requests, right? Like, if you followed up with literally every now, I'm not saying that these national companies that have the certificate monitoring people, you requesting things and all of that, that's not our client or prospect, anyhow. That's Mm -hmm. a much, that's way outside of the scope of what we're, we're looking to do. But if you, if you get it from that local company that you know is somebody that you would represent, if you just were to have your CSRs just say, these are the requests that came in today and give you a recap. And you made Mm -hmm. that a part of your day every day. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying I do this, you know, religiously. I'm just saying I've done it in a one-off instance in the past. But if you were to take that and make that a process and say, "These these are the requests that came in for certificates on your accounts yesterday. And all you did was sit down and look at those certificates to see who those companies were you know your w- absolute worst case scenario is you get them into the CRM and flag them as a contact for you and put them, put into them the, tra- mar- yeah right. put them in the marketing automations yep. add them to a drop list whatever else. Your best case scenario is you actually find something that you don't agree with and you roll right. with it. You know again all
2: this all all of this stuff is is super simple that anybody can do. You don't have to be an expert to to make this happen. It's 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 simple sales one oh one and and I think that's that's a great thing about a lot of the stuff that we talk about,
1: yeah, I mean, if we just sit back and we take things and make them as fundamental as possible and right. just ex- execute one hundred percent on the fundamentals, mm-hmm. you're gonna write more business than you lose every day,
2: yep, um, I'm with you.
1: yeah, I'm interested. So what are your thoughts? I mean, what's a wedge that you've used that you've seen? Over the course of the last couple of years, that that you felt was effective, that maybe is I think we talked about it. Utilized.
2: yeah. I, I mean, I think we talked about the one that I use most often earlier is the mod. And you know, we were are heavy workers comp, so that's where i I've found a lot of success there um, because the overwhelming. Majority of people, when I go in and I'm talking about their mod and using some of the examples that you used earlier, is they just, they, no one has discussed it with them. And, and that should create enough doubt for them to, to have a conversation with you at a bare minimum. So I, f- for me, that's what's been most effective. I don't, I, I don't have a ton of, um, you know, property conversations with, um, no, you know, because scenarios. that's an afterthought. Truthfully, ex- ex- I mean, ex- right? Exactly. We go in,
1: we we lead with the mod, and we just take everything else when well, we go
2: in. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is you know, but but I I think that it's so it's it, at least in Florida. You know, for our listeners elsewhere, it, it's it's easy to to do that with the workers' comp to lead with that because of you know how the um, how it's set up in Florida with the state mandated rates and and all of that. But um, that that's been my most successful area is leading with the comp. Uh, especially if they've got mod issues and and just kind of going from there, and the rest of it kind of falls in line because once you once you're able to prove value on on that one area, all the rest of the stuff is going to follow. It may not be right away, maybe next policy period. It, you know they you may have to build a little bit more trust with them, but it's it's gonna happen.
1: There's a specific wedge that we drive around the comp, and you have gotten very good at it. If you walk into a first meeting and for whatever reason, they happen to have their loss runs sitting there on the table waiting for somebody to look and i don't mean to put you on the spot i'm trying to ask the question in a way that yeah. i don't that i don't give away the answer um but if they just happen to have their loss runs there you know they have mod issues mm-hmm. they prepared for the meeting you didn't get the loss runs ahead of time but you're, it's on the fly and this is your chance to drive a wedge yeah. by looking at those loss runs what are you looking for on the loss runs because the, because yeah. you know you have a solution to a problem you're going to see.
2: Right. I'm looking for low dollar indemnity claims um, because they clearly don't have any type of return to work program. And there is almost a 100% chance that no one has talked to them about a return to work program. And if they have, they don't have something formalized. They don't have all of the documentation. They don't have the letter that goes to the physician letting them know that they're a return to work employer. They don't have the formal offer letter that goes to their employee when they're offering them a a light duty position. Um, And people think that I would say, like, whenever we go into appointments and we talk about that, I mean, oh, yeah, I got a return to work program. uh," And we start to deeper question a little bit on it. They do not have a return to work program. No, I mean
1: that's the whole thing, man. That's why I, you know, <laughs> I anytime I, I face rejection in a in a sales appointment or an initial ob- objection to something that I've said, I always go back to Tommy Boy where he's like, All right, thanks, and we're out of here. You know, it's like, well, see ya, y- y- see ya, we're we're gone. You know, <laughs> the, the fact is I've gotten to the point where I realized so many people were gonna tell me that that I just ignore them. Like I just keep going. Oh, so you've got you've gone and met with the treating facility and introduced yourself as the leadership of this company that you are a light duty employer and you have a vested interest in getting your people healthy and return to work as quickly as possible. And you want their help in doing that because you understand that's what's best for your team. And that's, what's best for the culture of your company. And then you have the letter that says, um, you know, here's the the, the, the doctor sends back that gives you what the restrictions are and mm-hmm. what they can do. And you have the formal offer letter that, Offers that person a job at the rate commensurate for that job, and it identifies who their supervisor is, and that they it's their responsibility to communicate with that supervisor to get their schedule, and also to make sure that they're letting them know about any follow up appointments that they may have or whatever mm-hmm. else. And ultimately, you have the place where they can sign to accept or sign to reject right. that um, that position. And, you know, you just outline what all of that looks like. I mean, I could get into so many more things like, oh, and you have a, a flowchart that's got predetermined responsibilities for anybody who's going to administer the return to work program internally, so everybody knows what happens when somebody gets sent to the clinic or whatever else. But I mean, I just ignore them and keep rolling at that point. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important, though? I mean, so for the people that are out there listening because what 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 surprises me, honestly, is there's a lot of agents out there that, and when I talk to them about how we lead with comp and specifically why return to work is such a big deal, that it's the first time that they've ever heard that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's important because it's it reduces the value of the claim. So if they've got a return to work program, they offer this person a light duty position, whether they accept it or not, the fact that they have that in place is going to reduce the value of the claim up for, for, up to the first, was it $17,000 by 70%. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that's huge in terms of its impact on the mod because what jacks up the mod is the indemnity. So, um, you know, again, like you just said, agents aren't having that conversation or don't know how to have it, um, with their insureds. And it's, it's a simple place to drive a wedge.
1: Yeah. Agents out there, if you don't know what the split point is for your state, and by split point, I mean the dollar amount where is the threshold for claims being reduced if they're medical only, you need to find that information out, get smart on it, and start using it at the point of sale. In Florida, it's seventeen grand. If the claim is medical only, meaning not a single dollar of lost time is paid out, that claim is reduced by 70%. When it's put into the mod calculation for mod purposes, mm-hmm. you can see that stuff on loss runs on the fly. That's a very easy thing for any agent to look at. Here's what I mean by that. If you look at a claim that's $5,000 and 300 of it was for lost time, that's a problem. Right. Because at the end of the day, they could have brought that person back, right? And they would have come back to work. And that 300 would not have been on there. And instead of that claim being $5,000, it would have been reduced by 70%, which means it would right. have only been reported at $1,500. The other thing is, if you offer it to that person and they reject it, then they don't get indemnity benefits anyhow in the state of Florida. Check your mm-hmm. state legislation for how that works. But if we have light duty and offer it to you and you don't take it, you still don't get indemnity. So I mean, it's a huge deal. But let's just say that they they didn't have the program in place, and um, you know, so the letter didn't go out, and the indemnity's there. Why didn't somebody have a business dis- a business discussion with this person that says, "Look, you can take that three hundred and just pay it out of payroll, because if you don't, it's going to affect your mod by this right. many points." which when multiplied by your premium turns into this many dollars, which when multiplied by three is the ultimate cost that you're going to pay out of your pocket in the form of increased premiums due to an increased mod. They're, Mm -hmm. They're not having that conversation. Or say, hey, let's reach out to the insurance company and have them send us an invoice for that indemnity. Now that that claim has played out and we know that this person's back to work, 300 bucks, it makes way more sense for us to pay this out of pocket. Let's get the carrier to send us an invoice. We'll reimburse them for the indemnity payment, and they can take that off of the reporting when it goes out for um, mod calculation. Agents aren't doing that. I mean, that is an easy way for anybody to drive a very big wedge in a conversation. And it goes back Mm -hmm. to, A, knowing that you're there to solve a problem and not sell a product, and B, pushing through the objection to get them to see your point mm-hmm. most of the time you're going to hear me say ask questions and listen sometimes you need to make sure that they understand or that they validate every single step of the process because this is what i know if i go through that process like i did if i ignore them and say oh so you have this yep you have this yep you have this well just out of curiosity then why would you think why would you say that it's not working Right. If you have all of this, but yet you have all of these low dollar indemnity claims and things, what, what, what about the process that you have in place isn't working? I don't understand.
2: Right. And yeah.
1: so you win either way. I mean, that to me, that's the best wedge that you can have is understanding that regardless of the way they answer the question, you have a pivot that can still yep. leave you in control of the conversation.
2: I thought of a couple other while we were talking about this too. Um, I mean, and the first ones in relation to their deck page, just seeing what kind of credits are on their uh, on their policy. Like, how many times them, do
1: we? How many times do we? Almost go in? every
2: time. There's no safety credit, you know, which is not huge. It's two percent, but still, that's. I mean, depending obviously on on the on the premium. It, you know, could be a chunk of change for them, the drug free, which is 5% in Florida. And then the contractor's credit, which we deal with a lot of contractors. And, uh, that almost never seems to be on anybody's policy. Um, No, because it
1: requires extra effort by the agent to calculate it. That's the thing, man. I mean, it's crazy.
2: So that's an easy one to talk about. And then, um, the other thing too is, is, and you're not going to find this out from any other way besides just asking them when you're, when you're sitting with them, but, um, how how are they making their premium payments? Are, are they on installments? Are they doing, you know, uh pay as you go? Like, what's the deal? If they're on if they're on installments, I mean that's an absolute laydown. It should be that should be closed right then and there.
1: Specific to workers comp, too, right? Like, right. I mean, yeah, this workers comp. Is, this I'm is, talking ex- workers comp this goes back to what I was saying before about audit.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, a right. lot of
1: my friends that own agencies were talking about how they're getting hammered because of COVID and people not being able to work and they're having to go back and reduce payrolls midterm and do this or do that. Mm -hmm. And they asked me how we're handling and I've said, you know, literally 100% of our accounts for workers comp are on pay as you go. Like they're either on pay as you go for through monthly or weekly self audit, or they're integrated with a payroll company. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's being captured in real time. So we're not having to mess around with all of those adjustments. Is it hurting our commission checks on the workers' comp when they come in? Yeah, because people aren't using as much payroll. But as an agency owner, I would rather get hit with that in real time than to get paid out a chunk of change on a policy only to turn around and get hammered you know, with having to pay money back. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for them to not be on a pay-as-you-go um, or whatever you monthly self audit platform. Uh, it's just, it doesn't make sense at this stage in the game.
1: Well, look, man, we're at 30 minutes. We've given them plenty of wedges. If you guys take the information that we have given you in this podcast and you just dissect it, study it and execute on it, you're going to kill you're just absolutely. And these are simple
2: conversations. They're not. They're not something where you have to be overly technical or have an immense knowledge of, of coverages and 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 all of that. Because I, I certainly don't. But I'm able to have these conversations with people and 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 drive these wedges and close deals.
1: Yeah, and the reason you keep it simple is twofold. Number one, it's easy for us to remember. Number two, it's easy to translate to somebody who doesn't exactly. even do insurance for a living. Well, listen, man. I hope you have a good weekend good conversation as always people if you listen to what we say and you do what we say you're going to be bringing in more business than you've ever brought in before i hope you got a lot out of this episode i think it was a good one and we'll catch you next time see ya